Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneur network.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. You're listening to Women in Leadership Podcast, Episode 65. Hi, I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, brand and communication strategist, also known as the Podcasting Queen. Welcome to another episode of Women in Leadership Podcast, the podcast that inspires you to reach your full potential. Now, joining me on today's show is Fraser Murray, and Fraser is the CEO and founder of Coach Connector, which is an online digital platform for organizations to search for top executive coaches and to manage their coaching programs easily to ensure the highest of standards, including measuring the effectiveness and value of the coaching program using the COCO Index ROI tool. Now, Fraser has worked throughout his career with many men and women, and he's got a lot to say about the topic of women in leadership. So on today's show, Fraser's going to share, do not let anger or paranoid thinking cloud your judgment, what to do instead, future-focused feedback, what is it and why this works so well, as well as the importance of always putting yourselves in the shoes of the other person. So really looking forward to hearing what Fraser has to share in this upcoming show. Welcome to the show, Fraser. Hi. You are the very first gentleman that I have on the show. So I wanted to just let people know how we met so they can get a bit of context. Now, you and I met because of the fact that we were talking about this wonderful tool that you are in the process of creating. You've already launched it, of course, but it's continuing to really make an impact in the lives of both coaches and, of course, the organizations that are using the platform too. And we got to talk about women and leadership and you've got so much insight to, to share in, through your journey and learnings and so forth. And I said, Fraser, you need to come on the show and share that. So uh, that's kind of a little bit of a context. Did I get that right? Did I sum that up correctly? That's right. Yeah, I've been a strong believer in, uh, I guess, in women's potential and in their capabilities for a long, long time since I did some work in the uh, 80s and 90s on, on women in glass ceilings. I was on some specialist projects to try and identify why women didn't necessarily make it as high in their careers as they would have liked to have done. Mm-hmm. So involved in it but then started to work on supporting women's development programs um, doing a lot of coaching and mentoring and training and uh, and discovered some common things around traits some of which are well known and published but obviously I've developed some of my own views um, and, and, and as a male I find it quite interesting in terms of the approaches women take and the approaches men take um, both in terms of their own careers but also in, in promoting this important topic. Let's just talk about the context that of the things that you wanted to share, particularly around not letting anger or paranoid thinking cloud your judgment. Unfortunately, so often these things do, don't they? Yeah, I think for all of us, so regardless of, of, of men and women, um, 
we have some challenges when something happens, we get that email that really upsets us or somebody says something in a meeting and, and we can get really angry and frustrated. And, and I work with a lot of senior women who I hear regularly saying how annoyed they are, usually at men, mm. but sometimes, as you'll know, many women find it difficult working for a female boss too. And, and sometimes maybe the abrasiveness of the style of the boss or something doesn't go down well, but it can upset people, get them angry. And, and what I would call mild paranoia sets in where you think that person's out to get you or speaking behind your back or not being supportive. And it starts to eat away at you. And what I would advise people in that situation to do is to be aware of yourself, be aware of your emotions and be aware that you're getting frustrated because sometimes you have then exaggerated um, language and beliefs. So you start to say things like, you know, they never support me. They're always criticizing me. And when you hear words like never and always, that's mm. probably a gross exaggeration. The truth is they sometimes criticize me. They, they don't always support me, but it's, it's not a question of 100%. So you have to be honest about your feelings and emotions mm -hmm. and then get yourself into a calm position. Um, and when you're calm, think rationally about, okay, is it 100% true that they never support me? Is it 100% true that they always criticize me? And of course, the answer is it's not. And then you can start to be more rational um, about the situation and, and, and calmly handle that and look at your choices, but also look at what's true for you and, and what's true for them, what's going on in their lives. Look at Donald Trump right now. You know, I, I have a lot of criticisms of the man, but I wouldn't like to be in his shoes. I can imagine it'd be a very difficult position to be in right now. So you have to look at what's happening for them and what's happening for you and what's 100% true before you jump to conclusions. One of the things that I'll often hear women say, particularly those that may have put themselves forward for a promotion, and again, unfortunately, they've been knocked back, is something around, oh, well, they never um, put me forward. I'm the best one for the role and those kind of things. But unfortunately, by not taking taking a step back and asking, okay, well, what were they really looking for? Am I positioning myself in the best possible way? We can unfortunately inhibit our ability to move forward when we don't look at these things uh, in a very clear uh, way. Have you found that to be true too? I think so. I think it's very common people make assumptions uh, mm. as to why they don't get promoted. Um, and, and I've seen males and females who say, I don't get promoted because I speak my mind. Yes. And they don't like people who speak their mind, especially a woman, because obviously that's not achieved as, that's not perceived as being challenging well, that's perceived as being aggressive or whatever. You know, a man might be perceived as being assertive, a woman's perceived as being aggressive. So we've probably all seen the research on that. Mm. And I people talking about that kind of thing. What what I believe is, is, is don't get too hung up on the gender, focus on the behaviors and, and look at improving your behaviors because regardless of gender, if we improve the behaviors, that's usually what's upsetting people. Mm. And we make a load of assumptions about other people's perceptions. But I've seen men and women who I would never promote because of their behaviors. And it's not because of gender. I hear men saying, you know, un unless you're from a minority ethnic background or female, you can't get promoted in this organization. But it's actually the man's behavior. And it's the same for women sometimes who want to be promoted. So look at the questions. I'll, I'll share a story with you. I was working with 500 of the most senior police women. And the senior promotion panel had 19 people on the promotion panel. 18 males and one female. And I interviewed six of them before I spoke at a conference. And the female was pretty tough and not, not a very nice person. And all the men told me the woman is blocking the promotions. She wanted to be the only female on the board, you know, if you uh... like at the top level. And when I spoke to the 500 women, they complained they only had one woman on the panel. 
but they didn't know it was the woman on the panel who was blocking their promotions. So what I'm saying is you can make a lot of assumptions, mm -hmm. but you just know 100% truth of what's behind it. Their problem was they were promoting people on what I would call more traditional male behaviors, mm -hmm. drive, mm -hmm. tenacity, grit, determination, when actually what they needed was to look at you know the behaviors they needed in the organization, which was collaboration, working with communities, listening, caring, a trait which more women tend to have than men. That's uh, so interesting. And it was there. something happened recently here in the press in Australia where a woman uh, who is very vocal in saying she speaks her mind uh, was called out because some of the things that she said were just inappropriate for her guests. She interviewed a guest and some of the things that she said, i.e. In, as in speaking her mind, was very offensive to the guest and many of her, uh, you know, the, the readers and, and the listeners were, were really taken aback on behalf of the guest. So there's a clear difference, such a distinct difference in being able to speak your mind, but speaking it in a way that is from a viewpoint of not putting someone down, what's the what's the best outcome for both parties here? And when we look at it that way, you know, is what I'm about to say going to contribute, going to add value, going to spark thinking so that we can all move towards, you know, the common goal? Or is this really just putting someone down and, and should this really be kept silent? So, yeah, there's so many things to determine. And this is not just for with women, but also with men. It's So it's not gender-based, but really behavioural-based. Yes. Yes, yeah. I think it's totally about behaviours, and and people get too too hung up on the gender. So when I when I go into organisations to talk about why they may need more senior women, um, I've heard from board directors who've told me, let's say you go in and you go into the organisation and talk about you know why we've only got let's say ten or fifteen percent of women at senior level, and and I hear that women argue for fairness, it's not fair, it's not right, etc. etc. To be honest, I run my own business. I don't give a damn what people's gender are. I don't mm -hmm. care how many women I've got at the top or males I've got at the top. I care about the behaviours, the success, uh, and, and the, you know their performance. And and many males feel the same way. So when I go and argue that w there should be more women, I don't argue about gender. I don't argue about fairness. I look at the evidence mm -hmm. and say, have you seen the results of the Fortune 500 survey that shows that your sales are up 82% if you have three women on the board rather than zero? Yeah. Why is that? Would you like to know? And then, of course, the senior management in the room, including mostly males, say, yes, we'd like to know and understand more. And then they find out it's because of the culture and people connect with their employees better. They listen more. There's two-way dialogue. There's development and all of those things. And that's why. So it's not about gender. It's about behaviours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And when any conversation comes from or stems from the viewpoint of benefits, outcomes, reasons why, it opens the door for having more conversations rather than blaming and, you know, saying from a negative point of view, it should be more women on the table. It just shuts people down. So I, I love that. And here's something I heard today at a business event that I was attended, and it was so true that whatever our beliefs are we are going to look for that evidence so if we believe even if it's inaccurate and often our beliefs have you know obviously stemmed from what we we choose to believe and what we choose to see we will go out and seek the evidence to believe our beliefs are true and we will start to look out more for all of the little indicators of why women are not being put forward missing all of the reasons why and you've, you've certainly just shared many yourself so a great lesson for all of us don't think gender 
offender uh, think behaviour? What is the outcome that is, is being sought and how can you contribute to that? And of course, if it's a job that someone is applying for, make sure you can provide uh, absolute value and reason behind why you should be considered for that role. Fraser, let's talk about future focused feedback. What is this and why does it work so well? It's a very simple technique, but but basically when you are wanting to give feedback or even ask feedback, there's kind of two halves to the same coin. Um, one half is, let's say, what is it that you think that I'm doing well? Okay. Um, and I get that feedback, whether that's from my boss, uh, my team members, my colleagues, or it may be even saying to a customer, what do you think we're doing well mm-hmm. you know, as an organization? Um, so it's the, the kind of positive side of the element. And that's easy conversation to have. But it's important to have that because once you give me that feedback on what I'm doing well, I'm now more open to listening to what you think I could do better. Mm. And that's the second part. You phrase it in a future-focused language. So what is it you think I could do better going forward? So let's say the session. You and I have a review at the end of the session. And you say, Fraser, what I think you did well was ABC. What I think you could do even better next time you do one of these is X, Y, Z. Well, I'm open to that because I can change next time. So mm-hmm. I can do that. If you told me, Fraser, I think you did this well and you didn't do this bit so well, this, this was pretty poor, then I'm going to be defensive and change the past and I did my best. So I'm going to defend why I did that and I'm going to explain to you why I said that and why I did this. But if you tell me, Fraser, next time you could do a little bit more of this, a little bit less focus on that, then I can change that. So I'll catch the feedback and I'll consider and I'll choose what I'm going to do, but I'm much more open-minded. So when my daughter came to visit Hong Kong from UK, she said um, she had a great holiday. And I said to her, Carla, what is it that you enjoyed most about your holiday? And she said, Disney, going to markets, looking at shoes and handbags and, and jumping waves on one of the, the beaches. Mm. I said, great. Um, and I asked her the question, what would make it even better when you come back in three months time? And she said, something that was really helpful. But yeah. I'll tell you in a minute. But if I had said to her, Carla, what, what wasn't so good about your holiday? She would have said, we didn't stay late for the fireworks at Disney. I was really upset about that. And we didn't spend enough time in markets looking at shoes and handbags. Mm. And I would have said, if you got out of your bed before noon, we could have done so and we would have had an argument. Yeah. <laughs> well, I used the future focus and I said, Carla, what would make it even better? She said, that'd be even better if we stayed later at Disney. It'd be even better next time if we spend more time looking at shoes and handbags. And I said, okay, let's think about how we can do that. So when she came back, I said, do you think you could be ready at 9.30 and we can go to the whole day at the markets? Can you be ready at 9.30 tomorrow? Yes, that I can. No arguments, change of behavior, improve outcome for both of us because it was future focused. Mm. I think the words, some of the key words we use and you did in this instance too about being future focused, uh, if we're looking in that in the context and many of these things we can use obviously in work with our colleagues, with our clients and of course even in, in, in a personal level but sometimes the words we use can absolutely shut down conversation and one I learned many years ago was the word but. You know you could give someone in greatest praise and then all of a sudden you go but you know what and as soon as you say that everything that you said previously to them you know to build up their their self-confidence pretty much just goes out the window doesn't it do you have any other examples of of using future focused feedback or maybe even watching some of the words and phrases we use when it comes to relating to staff or even you know our family members to help keep the the relationship and of course the behavior from a positive viewpoint Yeah, well, I mean, I think most of us have learned over the years not to use the word my strengths and my weaknesses, because if you say weaknesses, then inside my head, I'm I'm kind of crossing my arms and I'm not I'm not open to the feedback. So we've learned to talk about development areas. 
But I think in general conversation, be that with clients or be that with um, uh, with um, customers, uh, with um, yourself, with your own team, mm. uh, with your boss, any of those things, I think if you can use the language that says it would be even better if, you know, what would mm. make it even better? So in your head, you think you're eight out of 10. I think you're four out of 10. But if I talk to you about what you could do even better, then in your head, you're eight, you're going to be a 10. So you're happy that it's a gift that you've got. I'm helping you to be even better. Mm -hmm. So I would use those words. So again, at home, instead of somebody screaming, stop leaving your socks on the floor, Fraser, if they say, I love it when you help me uh, with the dinner and I love it when you do X, Y, and Z, it would be even better if you picked up your socks in the morning. You see how much better that is than, yes. than a, you know, a, a big criticism and it stops the arguments. Yeah, it transforms your life, I can assure you, mm. if you can say, um, you know, what could be even better or what would be even better. Yeah, why I love that is um, it reminds me of a conversation again this morning. We had so many insights. I've walked away with a lot of golden nuggets. One of the gentlemen was talking about different cultures here in Australia and, of course, New Zealand, and I'm originally from New Zealand too. He said in Australia, because, you know, often Australians will speak their mind, they will have no hesitation in saying to someone, you know, well, these were his words, not mine but he's you're an idiot you know something like that I'll obviously say that in jest in in New Zealand we would tend to keep you know more quiet we quiet about something even if we did not really agree however we would still not be happy with the conversation it would fester but what you were saying encouraging someone to give their feedback it doesn't shut them down it opens the space gives the uh, you know the the other person the permission to share what they are thinking in that positive way for instance you know tell us what would be better in the future how can we make this even better uh, and I think when it comes to relationships, men and women, providing the right environment in which people have that trust with you and the ability to speak so that you can come to, you know, the best outcome, a win-win, I think is so important. Even dealing with different cultures. I mean, you're in Hong Kong. I mean, there are different cultures and the way that we deal with people. We need to be very mindful of that, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And I used to talk about Australians. I've done a lot of work with Australians, but also British and American. And, mm. and I find them very open, or even India. They're very open with their, you know, their views. Yes. But if I go to other countries and work in places like uh, Korea or Japan or Thailand, they're much yes. more um, withheld, more, more introverted. And they're brought up culturally to not challenge their boss so much. Mm -hmm. So if I ask what I've done well and what I can do better... Um, initially, they may be less likely to open up because they feel they're criticizing me. But if I just say, can you give me feedback, they won't criticize me. Yeah. But if I say, look, I think I'm I'm an eight out of 10. I want you to help me to be even better when I do this next week. Please, can you give me feedback to help me to be even better? What did I do well today and what could I do even better? Mm. Then they realize they're helping me. They're not criticizing me. And if I'm the boss, please help me to be a better boss. I always ask my team at the end of the month and I want to one, what am I doing well as a boss and what could I do even better mm. to help you? And and eventually it might take them two or three months before they'll say, well, there is one thing, Fraser, you could do more of or less of. And, and that helps me to be a better boss. So keep asking for the feedback. Go out there and ask people, be a role model. And as you said, it will make them more comfortable to open up. Yes, great, great point. Let's talk about the importance of always putting ourselves in the shoes of the other person. I think this is so important, isn't it? And particularly we're talking about other cultures too, when we have an appreciation uh, of, of the other person and not just our own viewpoints. Share more about this. 
Yeah, well, I think it's particularly important in difficult conversations because when it's an easy conversation and we're totally in agreement, then even cultures don't matter. Mm. You know, we're all on the same page. But when it's a difficult conversation about something, um, it's very important to consider not just all the things that you feel um, and that you're thinking, but what is the other person feeling and thinking? So, you know, whether you're thinking of it standing up or sitting in three chairs, imagine you're in the other person's chair or imagine you're standing in the other person's position and be them. Think, you know, if I'm going to train in the work in the morning, I would think about, OK, how is my colleague I'm going to have a difficult conversation with today? What are they thinking? What are they feeling about the conversation? What's going on in their life? What's their values? What matters to them? You know, they've got four kids and, and they're trying to get home to look after their family and they're having a difficult time. You know, help understand all of that. Do they think I'm being fair or unfair? What is their view? And if I put myself in their shoes, I might learn some things that are slightly different to my outlook on life. And, and I would encourage you even to think of a third person. What would a neutral person think? Mm -hmm. Having heard what I've said about the situation, having heard about the things I think my colleague would think and say about the situation, what would a third person think? Would they think that I was being fair or unreasonable? Let me give you an, an example. A, a manager wants us to have an event on a Saturday, it's a weekend, and, and expects the team to turn up unpaid. Mm. The team needs some help with maybe looking after their children or their pets or something, and they it's going to cost them extra time and money as well as being away from the family, and they want overtime support. Yes. Um, the manager thinks they're right. The individual thinks they're right. They both dig their heels in and we have a problem. You know, if you really think about it from the other side, you can find out what's reasonable. What would a neutral person think of the situation? And that might help you. And, and one of you might be prepared to move a bit and reach a compromise. Mm. So the neutral person would see both sides. So the important bit is to see both sides um, and then come back to your own position and say, what do I feel and think about it now, having heard from the neutral person and from the other person? Now, this isn't real people. This is just in your head. You position yourself and thoughts in each of those people, and it'll help you be much more balanced and reasonable when you take the decision as to how you're going to handle that situation. Yes. Fraser, I know that anytime someone does need to have an, uh, you know, approach someone else to have a conversation around a topic that can be very heated or they're both very passionate about, let's say that, Often how you start the conversation can determine how that conversation will end. Do you have any thoughts on how to approach having a difficult conversation or what could become a difficult conversation, how to open that up so that the other person may be able to express what they're thinking, what they're feeling, uh, so that the conversation can end better than all of a sudden we both, both come to loggerheads. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, a few things. I think the first thing is you have to care. You have to learn to care about the other person and really care about them as a human being. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter whether you like them, whether you rate them, whether you make them redundant or having a difficult performance conversation. You have to care about them and treat them as if you would like your mother or father or brother or sister to be treated by their, their bosses. Um, so I think care about the other person. Um, secondly, I would say be transparent. Be open and honest. You know, I've had conversations with people on performance and said, look, this isn't this isn't quite working. Let's look at what we can do to make it better. But you do realize that if in three or six months time it isn't better, then we're going to have a parting of the ways. And let's try and avoid that. But if it comes to that, let's try and handle this where we look after each other and do the best that we possibly can. Mm -hmm. That's all I can do is do my best. And if I do my best, I'm treating people fairly. So I would say be transparent, be open, be honest, be caring and keep the emotion out of it. Keep it factual. You're being honest. If I have to make three people redundant, 
then I'm going to make three people redundant and keep it factual. If I want somebody's performance to improve, I have to be clear on where they are, where they need to be, and help them to get there. They may make it, they may not, but my attitude has to be to help them to get there, not to find reasons for them to fail. I think also too the fact you know about caring about the other person, showing a bit of empathy to that. And some of the, one of the comments that you mentioned earlier about some of the the collaborations, showing of empathy, things like that. Uh, and I, you've mentioned this before too, is that women can quite often naturally bring that to the, the conversation because they are naturally empathetic. Not saying that men aren't, but uh, that women. What have you found that when you are dealing with, um, say, men and women, just to to bring a little bit of a focus in back. On, on the agenda, even though we're saying don't let that be the all in all, it's absolutely not, it's more behavioural based. But where do you see when you are putting yourself in someone else's shoes and being showing empathy to someone else that uh, you really can allow the conversation to flow so that the outcome is always being uh, at the forefront? Because obviously those two people in the team, they're working for the same outcome, for the same company and so forth. Uh, what would you say in differences that you have seen about how how men handle it and how women handle that. You're putting me on the spot now as the first male, <laughs> aren't you? Um, I, I think if I'm really honest, having mm. done having done lots of training and coaching over the year and working with with uh, you know high high performers, senior people, high potentials, both men and women, mm. um, I, I would say you know what what people call you know EQ or or they call soft skills, which by the way, excuse my language, but are bloody hard skills. Um, I, I I think that those skills naturally things like empathy listening caring collaborating more women have them than men now i so i know some men who have them who are brilliant at it i know some women who don't have them who are terrible at it yeah. but generally i would say 60 40 more women have them if i was running a very big organization i'd probably suggest having 60 percent senior women and 40 percent men mm. because of those traits and i think they're very important whilst it comes it may be a mothering thing i don't know but i just find that women are able to adapt to it more and the ones i find that find it harder are often ones with no kids who are very strong career women um, and they can, can sometimes be almost more like men in their behaviors. Mm -hmm. and, and that caring is important. I have a very funny story if I can share with you. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it happens to be a senior woman. It doesn't really matter what the gender was, but they came into work. Uh, the funny thing is this was an HR director came into work on the Monday morning and they asked me actually for coaching and support, which is how I find out the story. Mm. And they said, I have somebody I rate very highly, but they don't want to work with me. And I asked why. And they said they'd been on a course to help to learn to be a better leader and be authentic and, and be themselves. So on the Monday morning, they went up and said, we have a board meeting at 11 o'clock. I'd like you to help me with the board papers. Oh, by the way, how was your weekend? They'd been trained that on the course. Oh. <laughs> and the individual said the weekend was terrible. We've had the rabbit for all of the whole lives of our children. We've had this big rabbit and the rabbit died at the weekend and the kids were devastated. Oh. And you know what the senior lady said? She mm. said, I hate rabbits. Anyway, about the board meeting. <laughs> And she said, I was being authentic. What do you want me to do to pretend uh... I'm rabbits? It's not about the rabbit. It's about caring about the individual that is part of your team and understanding the impact it's had on her and the terrible weekend she's had and she just didn't get it. So those skills are really important, again, regardless of gender. It's very important to be able to understand and collaborate to get the best out of your people. Uh... Help. 
Yes. Oh, I love it. That that is priceless. It's almost like okay, we've done the rapport building. Now let's get on to it. I mean, yeah. that's just no. Look, yeah, so you have to be genuine. When I yes. say care, I haven't got to pretend to care. She yeah. said to me, "Can you help me to pretend that I care about people's weekends?" And I said, "No. You have to actually start to care." Yeah. Wow. Isn't that incredible? I tell you, I give you 110% for reaching out and saying I need to learn this. Look, why? Look, thank you for sharing that. I know that, uh, you know, for many people, it can be quite a touchy subject. The reason I wanted you to share that is because there are some natural skills or things that women tend to do well. And as you said, I mean, we don't want to generalize too much, but there are some men that really can show empathy well. But in today's workplace, I think it's so important to have some of these. And people, some people call them soft skills. But as you said, these skills, if they don't come naturally to you, can be very or, or something that we, for some people need to work really hard at. Because I've had many conversations with women that have tried to be and act more like the behavior that, say, men would show. But you know what? If we're trying to be someone who we're not, just like this woman, senior executive, came to you to try and can you show me how to pretend I care about people, that's mm. coming at, at, at it from the wrong way, isn't it? It certainly is. Trying to be someone that we're not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can yeah. I share with you one thing that I think men are better? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think women could learn from men on this, and it's networking. Yes. Um, I, I think that men are naturally better at networking. Again, it's maybe because they're happy having a beer after work, watching sport, whatever. If women can't do that because they've got families um, and they want to get home and, 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 and they're maybe more interested in home and their family than, than watching sport and having a beer, I get that. So I would say, yeah, one, you can, you can join in, have the beer, have the meal with the team or whatever. But if you can't do that, you have to replace that with other ways of networking. And mm. um, you'll find yourself that like, every Friday lunchtime, say from 12 to 2, I'm going to network with somebody different. And I mean properly networking. Um, or, or every Wednesday at 11 o'clock, I'm going to have a coffee and network with somebody. You know, I've been coaching a very senior woman recently, and she said to me, I only network if I need something. Well, ah. that's not how you network. You mm. network to build your network. So when there's a problem and you need your network, they're there for you. So you have to invest the time up front, which men, most men do well, and most women don't do so well. So I would say network like crazy you know, uh, with everybody and the network will be there for you, all the key people that you want to network with and give, give, give to your network. Don't go and say, I need this from you. Can you help me? Give to your network. And then when you need something, they'll be there for you. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. And that that is a whole show on its own around the networking, because I think we can really learn. And this is, uh, I love the way that you said this. These are behaviors that in this instance, men tend to exhibit more and they're doing more networking. And these things that we can learn and we can apply within our own lives and our careers and business and I think networking is absolutely important too one of the things that often I'd love your insights on this area too one of the things that have often been said is that men can network really well and then also really nurture that relationship into business into referrals and things like that whereas women tend not to they keep it more on the social where do you draw the line where are some key things and it may be in what you've already said is the giving being helpful being resourceful but what is it that you think that men do that takes that relationship from having a beer to then okay uh, let's do business let's let's do some referrals what what would you say are some of the key things that you've seen I'm, I'm working with a, a load of what I would call middle managers at the moment in their 30s um, males and females and I'm mm. noticing a difference the men have more self-belief okay <sighs> 
And mm. sometimes that is misplaced. You've probably heard of the stories, you know, the, the job tells you you need 10 years mm -hmm. experience. So the man says, hey, I've only got eight, but I can do that. And they apply. The woman says, I've only got eight, so I don't apply mm -hmm. because I follow the rules. And, and, and that can often be the case. But I would say it's, a, it's about self-belief and not being scared to ask. You know, I'm coaching a lady at the moment and she's got a lot of senior connections. And the senior connections would help her, but she says, oh, they're very senior, they're very busy. I don't want to ask them to help me to you know, look at my CV or to help me get an interview or whatever. Mm. Um, the guy would do that. The guys are telling me, yes, I go to these people and ask. So don't be scared to ask because people like me and you will help. It yes. doesn't matter about the seniority. If they rate you, especially if you're giving and you're not just asking, you know, for for things from them, but if you're giving. So even if you're junior in an organization, say to your senior mentor, what can I do to help you? And I might say, yeah, I need some help with some IT stuff. Can you advise me on this digital marketing stuff? Do you know anybody? You know, and, and give and give and connect people and then when you want help, they'll help you. In fact, you won't even have to ask. They'll come and they'll come to you with some offers. So don't be scared to ask for things, you know, but, but give and, and have some self-belief and confidence. Don't be afraid. What's the worst that could happen if somebody came to me and asked? I might say, no, I'm busy. Yeah, yeah. That's the worst that could happen. And that's where I think what you said earlier can relate to this perfectly in that take the emotion out of it because I know and I've been there myself where I've been hesitant to ask because of the, the thought that if they said no and the emotion behind that is I'm rejected, they don't think I'm good enough, which is absolute rubbish, not at all. You are busy or something. So, and, and this is another thing that I learned many years ago too. If you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. And guess what? If you ask, you might surprise yourself and get get a yes. And so take the emotion out of it because there's, it, it, it has nothing to do with emotion, even from the other person's point of view often too, yes? Yeah. And, and, and one thing on that, when you ask, um, one little tip, don't ask them, have you got a vacancy? Have you got mm. a job? You know, have you got an opportunity? Don't ask them directly. Ask them, do you know somebody who could help me with? And if yeah. they can do it, they'll go, oh, yes, we've got an opportunity here or I can help you with that. Ask them who in their network can help me with this because then they're happy to connect you to other people even if they're busy mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I do know somebody yes let me connect you yeah so so ask them who do they know very good simple tip it'll, it'll, it'll work wonders oh brilliant fraser you have covered some incredible insights and shared incredible insights today i know um, many of our listeners will have taken if they're taking notes will have taken almost half a, a notepad i'm sure or notebook how can people get in contact with you and how can they find out more about your platform coach connector yeah well um they can they can go to um coachconnector.com if they're if they're interested in that um, I have two businesses. One's a talent development business, so they can also contact me there, which is Fraser at rocktheboatconsulting.com. Um, and, and I'll happily uh, connect with people and help people if I can. Um, also, I'm on, on my, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, so very happy to, to, to receive some connections from people. I, I guess the one last thing I would say to all women is, you know, stop seeking quality. Just be your best. Try to be your best, and you might find that actually you're even better than being a man's equal. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Please, please reach out to Fraser, uh, all of the contact details that he's just shared and uh, let him know what was the biggest aha that you took away from today's show. I know you've had many. I know I have as well. Uh, thanks again, Fraser, for coming on the show. If this is the very first time that you are listening to Women in Leadership podcast, it really has been an honor. Make sure that you subscribe because uh, I have lots of uh, incredible guests just like today that we had Fraser sharing uh, on our 
upcoming shows and you don't want to miss out because there's always something to learn and uh, that's going to impact your career or impact your business if you're working for yourself. The way to subscribe, ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com forward slash WIL iTunes. Uh, until next week, have a fabulous week. See you later, Fraser. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.